0: There are a lot of people who will give you different advice on how to live a wonderful, valuable life. Some people will tell you that you should have as much fun as you can. Others will say get as much fame or fortune or power as you can. Jesus has a very different approach to this and advice. Come listen to what Jesus has to say about life and how to live it forever. Now today, the message only covers a few verses, which means probably, I'm not guaranteeing, but probably it means this message won't be as long. However, the length of the message doesn't depend on the importance of it. And some of what Jesus has to say at this time, we need to take to heart and to live our lives. And so the context here is that Jesus has entered Jerusalem prior to the Feast of Passover. And he came in a triumphal entry upon a donkey and a colt. And people were saying, and I'm saying, Hosanna, save us. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord and spreading their clothes and palm branches before him. And after this is now where we see. And so if you have your Bibles, and as I continue to say, and you should, please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. We're going to start with verse 20. And in this context, it says, Now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. Now the problem with this is the Greek use of the term Greeks is kind of dual. When we think of the word Greek, we think of the country Greece and the people who lived there to be Greeks. And the Greek uh, culture at that time was significant. As a matter of fact, the international language, if you will, was Greek, even though Rome had conquered the Mediterranean world. So it wasn't Latin that was used throughout, but the international language was Greeks. And like I said, in the New Testament, it was written in Greek. Furthermore, the Sadducees were very much influenced by the Greek culture. And so they were more enlightened because of their culture. Uh, And there was a division between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. But the term Greek most often doesn't refer to people who live in Greece. It refers to those who aren't Jews. So, for instance, in the scriptures, they'll say that we are to, that they were going to present the gospel to the Jew first, and then the Greek. It didn't mean that they were just going to go to Greece and everybody else. Um, too bad. It was Greek was the term used for Gentile, and so there were probably a bunch of Gentile. God-fearers; Those were the ones who believed that the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of the Jews was God and they followed him and they feared him and they were coming up to the feast, but they weren't Jews. They didn't receive necessarily circumcision or obey the law, but they acknowledged that the God of Abraham was God. And there were those who were God-fearers who left Egypt. There were also God-fearers throughout. Well, known one, for instance, when um, the Ethiopian eunuch is traveling, he's reading Isaiah. He was a God follower through the world, but he hadn't received full knowledge. And so he's saying that there's these Gentiles who were God-fearers who came up to the feast at the time because they wanted to celebrate as the Jews do. And these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So they come to Philip, and the scriptures don't tell us why they choose Philip. Uh, Philip has a kind of a Greek name, so maybe they think they have an inside with that. And notice they're respectful, because they say, uh, Sir, to Philip, um, as if he's important because they want an audience with Jesus. They've just seen uh, what the crowd is doing, and I'm sure they've heard about the miracles and the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and so they want to talk to Jesus. And so Philip came and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. Well, again, we're not told why Philip went to Andrew, other than probably Philip goes, hey, bro, I'm not sure what I should do. You know, The crowds are seeking Jesus. There's a whole lot of people. Jesus is really busy. Should I interrupt what Jesus is doing and try to provide an audience with these Gentiles? And then it says, And Jesus answered them, saying, Again, here's the problem. We're not sure who he's talking to. We don't know if he's talking to the Greeks, we don't know if he's talking to his disciples. We're not sure what the audience is. But I can tell you this for sure. The audience is you and me. What he has to say is so valuable, it doesn't matter who he's talking to. What information he has to share is something that we all need to hear. So he answered and said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So he's setting up, he's saying, What's happening now is not what's important. The time has come for me to be glorified. And he means that in a different way than most would. Most would say, well, certainly you're being glorified because the crowd is shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're expecting you to be the conquering Messiah. And now is the time for you to acknowledge that. But then he makes a turn and says this. Truly, truly. Again, when Jesus says truly, pay attention. As matter of fact, when Jesus says something, pay attention. When he says truly, really pay attention. And when he says truly, truly, it's on the test. Okay? It is really, 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 and really important. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. So Jesus is going to use an agricultural situation to drive home a point. He's going to say, if you take a grain of wheat and you keep it as a grain of wheat, you have a grain of wheat. But if you bury, if you plant the grain of wheat, a stalk will rise up, and it will bear a head of multiple kernels of wheat. It will bear much fruit. But as long as you keep it in the storehouse, or as long as you have it someplace else, and you don't bury it, it will do nothing but have a simple kernel of wheat. And so he says, if that dies, if it's buried, it will bear much fruit. Jesus is in essence telling us, and he will continue to do it on the next messages that we will be seeing, is that his death will bear much fruit, because that is why he came to die for us, that we might be reconciled to God and be saved and be sanctified and be glorified. If it were not for his resurrection, most of us would not be believers. Because he was just a man who had a lot of, and if he isn't Lord, some of his teachings are kind of out there. And the next one is going to be out there, if he didn't raise from the dead. But because he rose from the dead, he bore much fruit, which is you and I. And so he said, so he's setting up and saying, my hour of glorification is here, but it's going to be different than you expect. It's not the crowds, my death, burial, and resurrection. And then he's going to teach us something very, very significant. He who loves his life loses it. What? That doesn't make sense. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. The world's going to tell you something entirely different. The world's going to tell you that this you only have one life to live and you need to gather all the gusto you can. That you need to get as much money as you can and as much power as you can and much fame as you can and have as much fun as you can because you have only one life to so live it to the fullest. And Jesus is saying, that's not what I tell you to do. I'm telling you, if you love this life, you're going to lose. Which I'm going to say is extremely saddening to what many, many churches and pastors do. This morning, there are pastors who are going to say that all God thinks about is you. All God wants to do is fill you with all the dreams that you have, that you live the best and wonderful life that you can right now. And if you don't get it, it's because you didn't have enough faith or whatever, or just continue on. And it's all about life here and now. And that is now what Jesus is teaching. Jesus is teaching, if you want all the gusto, All of a sudden, you're more concerned about this life. And he says, if you're concerned about this life, you're going to lose it. But if you hate your life. Now, hate in the biblical sense doesn't mean that you somehow just detest yourself. It means that you don't provide for yourself. Jacob I loved. Esau I hated. God didn't say I had some malice towards Uh, Esau, he said, I provided for Jacob. Esau was on his own. Jesus is saying, your life, this 24-7 hour of existence, that's not what you put priority on. That is not what you prefer. You prefer. So he says, if you love your life, you're going to lose it, which seems odd to us. But then he falls up, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. Jesus is saying, you may live to be 80 years old. You may even make it to 100. I think there was a um, a, a, a great uh, uh, individual today who, who died this week at who reached the age of 100. And apparently, even at the age of 100, he was writing books and giving Uh, speeches, and whatever. But guess what? He died. God is saying, I'm going to give you eternal life. Not 10, 20, 30, 80, 100 years, but life that is eternal. And it's not life like we experience it, where we have pain and disappointment and tears and sadness, but joy like we just sang. But the tears turn to laughing and rejoicing. So my humble and emphatic request of you and me. Take Jesus'. The Lord. And then he's going to say something out. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Notice what he says. If you serve him, you must follow him. Well, how do we follow him? We follow his teachings, his commandments. We love one another as he loved us and gave himself for us. We love the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. We love our neighbor as ourselves. We believe. In him who therefore means we believe in the Father who sent him. We do these things that we do. We baptize, teaching all that he's commanded. We do these things. We follow him. We prefer washing other people's feet and having our feet. Where I am. There's my servant will be off. Jesus had been saying that what he saw his father doing, that is what he did. What his father said, that is what he said. We should be the same way with Jesus. What did Jesus, Jesus say? That is what we're to say. What did Jesus do? That is what we're to do. We follow Jesus, what Jesus did, and where he's at. Now, unfortunately, we have egos in the way. And in the world, you will hear people say, well, no one recognized me. I did all this wonderful stuff, and nobody recognized me unfortunately in the church you hear the same thing i was a sunday school teacher for 35 years and no one ever said i did a wonderful job i was in the choir or in the band and i gave my ultimate talent we have we have a person who has played the piano for a decade you know not every week we go wonderful wonderful If you're looking to get credit, you're going to be sadly disappointed in this world and in church in general. And if you're doing it to be recognized, God help. Because I've gotten recognition. Yeah, okay. Same people who say, that was wonderful. You know, you ought to do this and that and then tell me what to do. But notice what Jesus follows up with. He's not telling you that the church is going to recognize you. He's not telling you the world's going to recognize you. He's not even going to tell you the pastor is going to recognize you. Notice what he says. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor. Not just recognize, the Father will honor you. The God of the universe, the God of heaven and earth, the God who sent his son Jesus to die for you and me, miserable sinners, who simply decide that we're going to follow him. He's going to honor. Not to say, boy, Joe. He's going to honor us. So what if I don't pay attention to what you do? What if the person next to you doesn't pay attention to what you do? Maybe the church never realizes or acknowledges what you have done for decades and decades and decades. The Father will honor you. And I'm going to tell you, I've not experienced it, but I'm going to bet my life that that's awesome. That it has far more exceedingly beneficial and Exuberant and awesome. then you say, at boy, Joe. That was a wonderful message today. My father honored. My father in this life only lived till I was five. I never recalled him ever saying, I love you. I remember him doing the things that demonstrated that he loved me. To hear my heavenly father say, well done, thou good and faithful slave. Come enter into my room. I showed you I love. And by honoring you, I'm going to say to you, I love you. That doesn't affect your life. That doesn't affect what you choose to do with the rest of your life. And this is what's awesome. The world will tell you, you ought to be, be rich. Well, at my age, Unless I win the lottery, which I don't really play, not going to really be don't got that much time left. Unless something spectacular happens and I'm not on TikTok or YouTube, not much chance of being famous. Wanted to be president? They're already telling people like my age is too old, so Probably ain't going to do that either. So I probably can't do what the world tells me to do. Too late. Not too late to do what Jesus told me to do. The awesome things its never true. The only sad thing is that you wasted all that other time doing all the things that wasn't important. So, follow the advice that of Jesus that I hope to hate your life and gain eternal life. Instead of lo- loving your life and losing. And all God's people said.